you found a message that was delivered at Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We are praying the time you invest hearing God's Word encourages you in your walk with Jesus and inspires you to share Him with others. If you want to learn more about us or send us a prayer request, visit our website, livingstreamscc.org. Thank you for listening. Take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 6. And today we're going to look at verses 5 to 15. We've been going through the Sermon on the Mount this summer in a series we're calling Keep Shining. Um, that, if you missed last week, I started a new campaign uh, it's, uh, against the distasteful and destructive practice of shine abuse. Uh, Jesus is continuing his teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, kind of the way he did last week as well, uh, calling out this practice where we take the light that God shines through us and we turn it on ourselves to gain man's attention, applause, and admiration. So we're breaking the silence on shine abuse because the consequences are severe. The people that we're trying to attract, we turn off, and then we lose God's reward, the reward that we will get when we see him face to face. So we're fighting shine abuse today, uh, part two. Let's read in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 15. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, And shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you or trespasses. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this good word that we have today to encourage our hearts and for it to shape us and mold us into somebody that looks more like your son. We pray that that would be the impact on us today, that you call our name, that you convict our hearts, that you'd help us to step out in faith and follow you where you lead from these instructions. I pray the words of my mouth the meditations of my heart would be pleasing in your sight, O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Jesus' words are sort of following the same pattern as he was teaching in last week. Last week was about giving and fasting. This week he changes his focus to the activity of prayer. Now giving and fasting and praying, those are all things that were high on the priority list of Jewish worshipers. And Jesus is calling out the abuse of taking those acts and using them to flaunt them before men to get their admiration and get their attention. And today, if we're not careful, if we don't handle our light with care, we'll, we'll end up doing the same thing and abuse our shine. 
So prayer, when you think about it, it's this amazing, mysterious, difficult discipline in our lives. I mean, if you think we've got this invitation given to us by God to come into his presence, almighty God, the creator of the universe, the one who's sovereign, the one who can do anything, who's got a plan that's working out, he calls us personally into his presence and he wants to hear from our hearts. He wants to know what's going on in our lives. He wants to know the burdens we're carrying. He wants to take those off of us. He wants us to ask for his help. Isn't that amazing? I mean, that is in, in incredible. I mean, somehow God, God listens to our prayers. And as we ask for his help, he responds and he carries out his work in the world. So wouldn't you agree with me that prayer is one of the most important activities that believers could take part in? We need to get better at it, don't we? We need to be more consistent with it. We need to be more earnest and fervent with it. We need to be aware of the shine abuse that we do, uh, the kind of stuff that Jesus is calling out here around this activity. So the first thing we got to look at in fighting shine abuse with prayer is we want to go private before going public. And okay, let's listen to verses 5 and 6 again. So when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, they, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So when you talk to God, we don't want to be like those who are taking that privilege and flaunting it before men to get their attention, get their applause, get their praise. When the Jews had service, like we're having service at the temple, they used to have a public time of prayer. And so every week, a different male member of the congregation would come forward and pray in front of the church. So there was this huge temptation to show up the guy that prayed last week. You know, to sound a little bit better, more spiritual than, than, they, did, than they did and they prayed last week. And then he talks about praying on the street corner. So every day, at the same time in the temple, there was a sacrifice for sins, for the sins of the people. And so Jews knew that. And some Jews would, when they're out walking the streets, when that time would come, they would stop what they were doing. They would face the temple and they would pray their prayers of repentance and forgiveness out loud for all to hear. And so these are the practices that Jesus was sort of alluding to as he's teaching here on prayer. He says, the hypocrites, they love to pray in synagogues and out in public. They loved it because it, it got the admiration of man living in that spiritual kind of society that, that they were living in. So he says they've received their reward. They're getting what they want. And he just very straightforward says, don't be like that. <laughs> don't be like it. Don't be a shine abuser. If you want your prayer life... To fulfill its purpose, you got to go private with it before going public. So have most of your conversations with the Almighty God in the private secret place of prayer. Now, as I was thinking about this, to be truthful, I was thinking, I'm not really sure that we today struggle with this particular form of shine abuse where we're taking prayer and we're using it to look good in front of man. Uh, maybe, you know, if you come to the prayer meeting or something, or maybe if you're praying at Thanksgiving dinner for your family, maybe you struggle a little bit with that. But I think most of us feel like we don't know how to pray very well. And so that, that just keeps us from praying with people, and it keeps us from c coming to prayer meeting. So this is just our pride and our fear working on that. 
But, but think about this. What if we just started the practice here at Living Streams that every week we'd have a different member of you come up and pray for, for the church, for the, for the people, for what's going on in our world. And so, you know, we're going to start that. You get invited to do it next Sunday and Saturday rolls around. What's going to happen that day in your heart? Are you going to lose any sleep over that opportunity to pray? Are you going to write down the words that you would say so that you got the right words, you know, so you could sound correct before the people? You know, what's going to go on in your heart? Now, I know it's complicated, but here's the thing. Jesus' teaching, it kind of gets rid of all that. Just following what he says kind of clears the fog when it comes to prayer. He leads us away from praying in front of man and with, for man's ears and praying to our Heavenly Father in this personal, intimate, private, life-changing, faith-building, world-changing conversation. That's the kind of prayer that he is encouraging. So do you have a secret place? Do you have a place that you can go where you uh, just sit down with God and it's just you and Him and you're able to pray like it's just you and Him? Now, we, I know, I know it, we can pray anywhere and, and we should. We get encouraged to pray continuously. But do you have the secret place? I really believe you should because Jesus is teaching that. Now the secret place can actually move around. Um, you know, as, as you uh, see how Jesus modeled that in his own life. We know Jesus was a man of prayer, right? How do we know that? Because the Gospels tell us that. His friends wrote it in, into their letters to the world. This is what this man did. He went off to a solitary place to pray. In, in the Gospels, in Luke 11, 1, it says Jesus was in a certain place praying. He went off to a mountainside and prayed all night in Luke 6. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, he got up early in the morning, left the house so he could go be by himself with his father. He went to the secret place. It was his pattern. We know he was a a man of prayer because we get all this information about his prayer life. He practiced going there. So he went off by himself, just he and his father. He shared what was going on in his heart. He listened. He received encouragement. He received strength. He received instructions. He spent a lot of time in the secret place, sometimes all night. So do you have a secret place, a place you can go? He also said we needed to shut the door. So that kind of tells us there's a little bit of effort that, you know, we need to put forth to get the privacy that we need to be able to have these conversations with our Heavenly Father. Jesus got up very early in the morning. You could get up very early in the morning, turn your living room into the secret place. You just got to get up before everybody else. This takes some effort. Susanna Wesley, she lived from 1669 to 1742. She was the mother of 19 children. Now, nine of them died in childbirth. <clears throat> so that means she had 10 living children. Among were John and Charles Wesley, who founded the Methodist movement. So imagine her home, 10 children, you know, running around. And she was a homeschooler. And she homeschooled through uh, many trials and persecution, her husband being imprisoned, poverty, sickness, all of those things. So imagine Susanna's challenge to find a secret place and shutting the door. So what her practice was, was she would go into the kitchen, she would sit down, pull her apron up over her head so she could have a private conversation with God. The kids knew, if mom's in the kitchen with an apron over her head, don't talk to her, because she's talking to God. She was serious about following Jesus. She used to say there was only two things you needed to do with the gospel. Believe it and behave it. That's pretty good. Believe it and behave it. Take that home. Plant that in your heart. It'll bear some fruit. (laughs) 
So, to follow Jesus' pattern of secret prayer means that we've got to get creative sometimes. It means that we may have to get up early. It means we may need to stay up all night long. Uh, but the bulk of our praying ought to be done in private. Now, when you go to the secret place, when you shut the door, when you go there with the intent purpose of meeting with God, you know what happens? He shows up. He shows up. And when He shows up, things like Isaiah 38, 1-5 can happen. L- listen to this. In those days, Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die. You shall not recover. That is our life right now, isn't it? I mean, whether it's a prophet or a doctor or the headline or the weatherman telling us there's a storm coming in your life and it's going to be rough. That is is our life right now. What does the king do? Verse 2 tells us, Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord and said, Please, O Lord, remember how I've walked before you in faithfulness and with a whole heart and have done what is good in your sight. And it says, And Hezekiah wept bitterly. So when the death sentence came, when, when the storm was named, what did the king do? He ran to a secret place. He turned his face to the wall, cried out to the God that he was following for his life. And what did God do? He shows up. Verses 4 and 5. Then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah. Go and say to Hezekiah, Thus says the Lord, the God of David your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will add 15 years to your life. That, my friends, is an awesome reward. Not the 15 years. God heard his prayer. He saw his tears. That's the reward. He is with us. He hears our prayers. He answers our prayers. When you've got that kind of prayer life going on where you're going to the secret place and you're in the habit of sitting in your heavenly daddy's lap and you're telling him about life, you're telling him about the storms, you're just laying all this on him. When you got that going on and then you bring that prayer life into the public square, that's an opportunity to shine. Because everybody doesn't have that. They don't have faith. They don't have a relationship with God. When you bring faith and relationship with God into, into prayer life, praying with somebody can be a transformational moment. It's amazing. So we got to go private before we go public. I love this story about early African converts to Christianity. They were very serious about their devotional life, very serious about the secret place of prayer. And so their, their secret places were in this thicket of tall grass. And so each one of them had this special place that they would go. And so more, the more often that they went there, they, they wore this path in the grass to their spot. And when one of them kind of neglected to go to the secret place, the other ones noticed and they would say to him very lovingly, Brother, does the grass grow on your path? Does the grass grow on your path this morning? Have you been neglecting the secret place of prayer? You know, God calls the, calls the church to be a house of prayer. And if we're going to fulfill that calling, that means individually we got to be running to our secret places and having a, a prayer life with God, a constant conversation where it's just us and our Heavenly Daddy. We're sitting there in His lap and we're telling Him about what's going on in our life. That is how we get a house of prayer. When we, when we come together. That's what gives us an authentic shine. Go private before you go public. 
Now, Jesus changes focus in verses 7 to 13 from the place of prayer to the language of prayer. And so to fight shine abuse, we need to keep it simple instead of superfluous. See if you can say that word. Superfluous. It is not easy, uh, easy to say, but I thought it was a good word. So verses 7 and 8. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So people outside the Jewish faith, uh, they have a lot of different gods. And that means they had a lot of different temples. And so when they had a need in their life, they would go to all these different temples and they would heap up these same prayers over and over to make sure that to get an answer, all these different gods, they need to hear what my need is. Because they don't know me. And so they thought by their repetition, by their many words, they'd get an answer. Jesus says, don't be like them. They're heaping up empty phrases. No faith, no relationship. So when we pray to God, we want to keep it simple instead of superfluous. Shiny abuse happens when we make our words to God in prayer more for man's ears than we do for God's ears. And so in verses 9 to 13, Jesus gives us this model prayer for us to pattern our prayer life over. We commonly call it the Lord's Prayer. Um, and really there's just two main sections in the Lord's Prayer. There's a, there's a vertical focus and then there's a horizontal focus. So in verse 9, it kind of begins, and Jesus starts off with something brand new for the disciples that they hear. It's a personal approach to God. He says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven. So, so to call God our Father was a new thing for them. They never, they never did that before. To, to them, God was unapproachable. He was the Almighty God. He was Yahweh. And they weren't even allowed to say His name out loud. And so to call him our father, this was this relational approach. Now, they added in heaven, which was giving that relationship, that address, reverence, and, and respect. Because this wasn't just any father, this was the father, the creator God. And uh, the creator of the world and every, everything in it. So when you think about your, your prayer life... And you think about, you know, going in, into the secret place and you're shutting the door and you're sitting down. Your address is a personal address. So it's more like, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a respectful, reverent kind of address. But it's more like calling your mom or dad instead of calling the phone company. You know, because when you call the phone company, you just call the phone company because you've got a problem and you have a need and you need an answer, right? But prayer is more like talking to your mom and dad than it is calling the phone company. So it's a personal beginning. And then he moves to praise. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, or may your name be kept holy. And so praise, it ought to be one of the first things that comes out of our mouths in, in prayer. And these words speak of a particular desire that God's name would be respected by, by all people, ourselves, but by the whole world. I mean, his name deserves a healthy respect, set apart from any other name that we could ever say, right? And of course, God's name is used all all other ways, you know, uh, than that. So really there's no other name that's more worthy for us to speak than God's name. So that's, that's, a, that's because he's special. And he, de- he deserves uh, to be praised. Verse 10 begins uh, with a plea. And it's kind of this overarching plea for believers. May your kingdom come. And so what we're asking there is we're asking that God's kingdom would come in us. And through us and in the future in its fullness. 
So that's kind of this overarching prayer. God, there's a plan going on. He's working that plan. His kingdom's coming. And so we're praying that our prayer, our lives, our homes, our hearts will be more and more effective witnesses for him in the world. More and more about the kingdom. we got to pray that. And that's, uh, that's calling out to him. When we pray like that, when that becomes this overarching thing, that means it keeps us ready for action. And it keeps us ready to see his face. So there's that plea. And then Jesus prays, may your will be done on earth as it is, as it is in heaven. So this is a posture. is a posture of humility when we come before God. We want his will to be done in our lives, regardless of whether that means a bumpy road ahead for us or not. So when our hearts, uh, we want our hearts to have that desire that we never step outside of God's will in our lives personally. And that, and that the world wouldn't either. You know, we always, what do we say at the end of a prayer, the very end? We say what? Amen. Amen means may it be so in accordance with your will. That's what that means. In heaven, God's will is happening unhindered. No no Satan there, no sin there, uh, no free will run wild. God's will is happening. We're praying that that would happen here, just like it does there, in us and in our world And no matter what that means for us. Now verse 11 comes along and it changes the the focus from that vertical to to horizontal. And these are petitions. These are requests for our life about provision, pardon, and protection. And really they all remind us of how much we depend on God's love. So this is a big prayer um, that keeps us depending on him. Give us today the food that we need. Uh, Give us our basic needs. And I thought for us Americans, this is probably the most difficult prayer for us to pray because we usually don't live in daily dependence on our, for our food, for our basic needs. Most of us don't. And I, you know, I know that we're, we need to see our jobs and our kitchens and the restaurants all as, as God's provision to us, but, but we struggle to really live in that day-to-day dependence on our Heavenly Father. Prayer is this attitude of helplessness. And I was thinking that maybe one of the good things that's coming from living in these COVID-19 virus days is the realization of how helpless we are to fight it. You know, man has no idea how to fight it. I mean, we're trying hard, you know, we're, we're washing our hands, we're cleaning all the surfaces, we're wearing masks, but none of these things is the answer to COVID-19. We need a God answer. We need a God answer. And so every day we're helpless to fight this thing and we're feeling that. But really that's the reality for our whole life. You know, for, for, for everything about our lives. And so I think maybe that's a good thing. Our prayers want to point us back to the one who provides every good and perfect gift. And remind us, you know, that the bread that we eat is from God. The medicine that we get is from God. The gas in our cars, it is from God. He is the provider. He's the source of our provision. Verse 12, Jesus brings up our pardon. Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. So there's two reminders in that petition. There is that reminder that every day we need to remember that there was a huge price paid for our forgiveness and so that we could have life with God. And in light of that forgiveness... We ought to be forgivers. We ought to be giving that forgiveness to other people. I mean, you know, 
I don't know if you ever get used to that, but with, without Christ's death on the cross, we're enemies to God. And His blood, it moves our sin out of the way, which is you know the thing that offends God and breaks that relationship with Him. So His, his uh, blood washes us white as snow and it makes that relationship possible. And it's only His blood. How much have we been forgiven? When you think, how much have we been forgiven? How could we hold on to something that somebody's done done against us? And that's what that uh, petition is about. When it comes to our pardon, we got to remember, we live in dependence on God's love. It's nothing we did. It's nothing we deserved. He did it all. And so it's God's love for us and God's love flowing through us to other people. And then finally, he moves to protection. Jesus reminds his disciples, those listening to him on the mountain, that there is a war going on against mankind. And we need protection for it. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. We depend altogether solely on God to fight that spiritual battle for us when it comes to Satan and our sins. So all of these are prayers of dependence on God. So here's the summary statement. This is how you should pray. Personally to your Heavenly Father, in a posture of humility, pleading for His kingdom to come in you and in the world, asking for provision, pardon, and protection, depending on His love for all of those things. So to fight shine abuse, we want to keep it simple, not superfluous. We want our words to be for God's ears and not man's ears. Make it all about Him, for Him, and to Him whether you're in the secret place or praying with somebody else. Now the final piece here is uh, to fight shine abuse is we need to check the condition for authenticity. So Jesus, he comes back around to this theme of forgiveness right after he gives the model for prayer. And um, Lori, my wife, reminded me that when God repeats something in the Bible, that means he really wants you to know about it. Is really important when there's a repetition going on. So listen again to 14 and 15. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. You know, most forms of shine abuse happen in our world today when we use this artificial light and we turn it and shine it on ourselves. So we turn it on for other people to see, but when we aren't in front of other people, there's something else. There's another life going on and something else going on inside of us. We can look good on the outside, but on the inside, not so good. Jesus called these people who were using prayer in the public to shine on themselves, he called them hypocrites. And so what that means is they're play-acting. It's like they're on stage. They're pretending to be something that they are not. They're using their light to keep up appearances. And so these verses get down to the root of everything. And they they really kind of cut through all that pretending. And they reveal a condition that exists in the heart of a Christian. We don't want to hear Jesus' words as a condition to get forgiveness. That isn't possible. There's nothing we can do to get forgiveness. And there's no need for us to do anything except believe in Christ. He's done it all. He said on the cross it is finished. His blood is sufficient to wash away every and all sin for all mankind forever and always. That is the truth that we know. Jesus is saying that truly forgiving something that is done to you is evidence that you have received God's forgiveness. It's evidence. 
To forgive another person, you've got to deny yourself. You've got to die to what happened to you. You know, you've got to give up your right to be mad and angry and hurt. You've got to die to your, to your sense of um, wanting revenge or wanting to see bad come on somebody. And it's especially difficult to do that when what happened to you when you were in the right. So it was an injustice that happened to you. It's all difficult. But if you think about Jesus, who was more in the right than him? I mean, I don't know anybody else like him. Do you? Think about what he went through. Think about his life. Who do you know that would submit themselves to arrest and torture and mockery? Who would give themselves to, when they had the power to stop it all with a thought, give themselves to a brutal death on the cross. And then while he was up there, people in front of him hurling up insults at him and he looks at them. And then he looks up to heaven and says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Who is like him? That is his heart. That is at the core of his life. The one who was perfect. The best person to ever live. Made himself nothing. So our offenses could be wiped away. And we could know God and live with him forever. Who is like him? When you get that, things change in your life. When you understand that, you know what, your sins put the whip in your hand. And you're the one cracking it on Jesus' back. Your sins put the ham in your hand, hammer in your hand. You're the one nailing the nails in his hands. You're the one standing there in front of him. And you're looking up, hurling insults at him. Hey, if you're the Savior, prove it to me. Come on down. And he looks at you. And he knows you. He knows all about that, what's going on in your heart and life. And then he looks up to heaven and he says, Father, forgive them. Forgive her. They just don't get it. When you get it, when you receive that forgiveness, changes happen in your heart. You cannot receive that forgiveness and not be broken by it. You cannot receive that and not be humbled by it. You can't receive it and not be amazed by it. You can't receive that forgiveness and not let it consume your life. And because that forgiveness comes from only one place, only one person, your life is consumed by Jesus. It's all about Him. And what He did for you. And wanting to see others receive that same forgiveness. Forgiveness is so difficult. It's so hard when you have been betrayed. When you have been hurt, wounded, made fun of, left behind by your friends, left out, bullied, neglected, cut off, kicked to the curb. When those things happen, the easy thing to do is to get mad and to stay mad and to be bitter. Praying against your enemy. But Jesus says, forgive As the Lord forgave you. Jesus says. You love. Because I first loved you. Jesus says. They'll know. You believe in me. Because you love people like this. This is the kind of love. That the world needs. This is the kind of love. That transforms hearts. 
It's the kind of love that we have the opportunity to shine out there when we give it. But it costs us, doesn't it? So do you have an artificial light or an authentic one? Do you have a a heart condition that leads you down the path of forgiveness in your life? Do you have a heart condition? Now, if you don't, there's two possibilities for you this morning. The first one is that you've never truly received the forgiving grace of God in your life to put your heart in that kind of condition. You've never gotten honest with God about yourself, about your sin, just said, here I am. You never trusted Jesus. You know about him. You know what he did. But you never said said he's done that for me. I beg you this morning, don't waste another day believing that God loves us like we love each other. Don't believe it. Don't waste another day. Turn your real life over to him. I mean, the gospel is, is as simple as trust Jesus. If you could pray that prayer today, then you're going to trust Jesus with your life. Everything changes. The other possibility is you did receive that forgiveness somewhere in your past. And life has been a bumpy road. And your heart has been wounded. It it has been hurt by people. And so you've built up scar tissue around your heart. To protect you from other hurt. And that is a very human response to pain that has been done to you. But I'll tell you, it's not where God wants you to be. It's not where he wants you to stay. Forgiveness is the only path forward to true healing and a true authentic light to shine for him. It's the only path forward. Now, I've got a video I want to share with you. It's called Signs of Forgiveness. It's a very simple video. And as you're watching this video, just think about the condition of your heart. Where does the path lead for you? Does it lead to forgiveness? Actually, could you put yourself in this video? Let's watch.
And let's stand together. Could you be in that video? Could you make a sign? What's been done to you? And then let it go. You know, the way to get there is the secret place. Just running to God, your heavenly daddy. Say, here I am. This is me. All my wounds, all my sins, all the struggles. And just putting yourself into his hands and trusting him. That he loves you. And he's not going to leave you. And he's done everything necessary to forgive you. So as we sing, we're going to sing a song, I believe, that has all the different things in it that you need to pray to God to have something good happen in your life today. So let's run to the secret place where we are where we sing this song together. Let's pray together. Oh, Heavenly Father, our majesty, amazing grace. When we come to you undressed, nothing in our hands, nothing to deserve the love you give us through your son, Jesus. So we praise and thank you today. Thank you for the call to come to you. Thank you for the love that we find when we're right there. Thank you for the sacrifice Jesus made to wash away all our mistakes and messes to make us new. I pray for those today that need to take that step of faith, Lord, to put their life in your hands and to trust you. Trust you for love and life, forgiveness and eternity. Give them the grace to take that step today, Father. I pray for those, Lord, that are hanging on to that that hurt and that pain. I've been struggling to let that go. I'm thankful to know, Lord, that when we're trying to forgive, we're forgiving. So give us grace today to open up our hands, to offer up the stuff we've been hanging on to you, to ask for your healing in our life that all pretense and pretending would go away and there'd be an authentic shine coming from our life because of the love that we received in you again and again and again. You are so good. We praise you today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who fills us, goes wherever we go, bears fruit and shines through us. Lord, may that be so in our lives today. This world needs your light, needs us to keep shining for you. Let us rest in you this week. I know you're doing that. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, Amen.